Welcome in to episode 255 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Ju- Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental Team looks forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy. Very, very, very happy, Sean, to just do this show. You know why I'm very excited to do this show, Sean? I'm, I'm assuming it involves you being able to sit down at your desk and with the microphone and no porta potties and things like that. I mean, yeah, the the Wi-Fi. What about how about this? Like this this crystal clear, like no buffering, no robot noises. No, like it's just me. Like it's just me. I I can talk. I can not stress out about. Uh, whether or not wherever I drive is going to just randomly drop signal or having to be in a car or like I can just be in the comfort of my home with a microphone in front of my face and just be myself. So Sean, I am uh, absolutely, this is the fastest Wi-Fi I've ever had. They just installed it today. Uh, the the fiber got installed today. So I, I've never had Wi-Fi this fast. I don't even know what to do with myself. I'm going to just like download a bunch of movies and stream like 800 things at once because I, I, I just can. So it feels very good to be with you and just with our, our listeners. And, and I, it's kind of one of those like envy our past and everything that we did in the past dealing with technical difficulties constantly, but it, it's time to fear our future. Cause now we actually mean business with the show. Yeah. When you, when you texted the group today and said that you finally had internet, I celebrated for you because I know, I mean, I've been doing this from a car now for a month and this is the last episode that I'll be mobile unless I'm out doing something else, but I should be set up and everything good to go. And hopefully myself have some internet here in a few days. So in, we're not going to break any news on this show. Not, not in, not in your world, but there will be some news to announce very shortly with the one and only Sean Smith uh, regarding his coaching future. He's on the move and it's going to be big time. So Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Sean is, uh, he's mobile for a reason right now. And he's been mobile the last couple of weeks for a reason. And it's going to be go time. It's going to be, uh, you're going to mean business here next week and beyond. Uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely excited to share some stuff here pretty soon. Uh, hush hush right now for a little bit longer, but it's getting there. And uh, the, wi- the story of the day is your Wi-Fi. And uh, we'll we'll save mine for the future. So we're there's still NVR past fear our future, right? Like like you say, <laughs> it, it's it, it's going to be a good time. We're really looking forward to that. Also, just really looking forward to finally talk uh, about the, the the constant news that is coming out uh, regarding this this basketball program and what's next and uh, the roster shakeup and coaching decisions and new names to throw out there and, and all of these sorts of things. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of stuff to get to on this show. Um, I'm not going to try not to drag this on too, too long, but it's going to be very jam packed with a lot of 
different updates on things that are going on. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you like, uh, leave us comments and questions in the uh, chat. We always appreciate uh, all of our listeners. Again, appreciate the, the patience that you guys showed the last several weeks uh, as, uh, you know, I guess months. I mean, I've been in this house for four months with no Wi-Fi. So uh, appreciate all the patience throughout the end of the basketball season and leading into the offseason because uh, we're, we're, we're full steam ahead at this point moving forward. Hunter Dickinson takes his uh, second official visit. He his, he took takes two unofficials to uh, Georgetown uh, and uh, Maryland and then takes an official the following week to Kansas leads right into another trip to Kentucky with one more uh, to Villanova this coming Friday. I'm told that's still a, a go. Nothing has changed in that regard. Uh, but Sean, it was a, a very successful trip. Uh, I will say that there aren't a lot of details in terms of like, oh, this guy's the the favorite here. And, um, you know, this school's out or whatever. Hunter has done a great job of keeping things close to vest. So a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about on this show is, you know, kind of optimism from Kentucky side or, or lack thereof. I mean, we'll, we'll get, get to that, but also things that I heard this past weekend down uh, at the EYBL and in Atlanta, just talking to different coaches and national grassroots guys that know Hunter and his situation much better than I do and, and how things are going with that. So uh, first thing, first things first, Sean, Hunter Dickinson, very clearly going all in with him. And uh, as a, I said on the show last week, Kentucky is prepared to take his commitment if and when that is uh, going to happen. I don't think that uh, it's not a a done deal that because they're going all in with Hunter, that Oscar is a, a sure thing out that I do think that Kentucky's doing whatever it takes to get one of them. And, and I think they understand that. Uh, but they also know that, that, that Oscar is very serious about the draft process and wanting to explore that thoroughly uh, in, I think, or they're kind of operating under the assumption of we can't, miss out on Hunter just because we're going to put all our eggs in the, the Oscar Sheboy basket. They're saying we got to get one of them. Uh, and if Hunter's ready to go right now, we're going to make that happen. So that was their approach moving forward. They, they went into this visit with the assumption of if we, if we can get this kid in, in commitment territory, we're going to make that happen. Yeah. And, and that's what we talked about a week ago, right? Is it kind of came down to the order of importance here and it is, it's definitely Hunter, is the the fresh one that's the one that we know is going to make a decision probably before oscar ever has his decision made on on his future so if you're kentucky you couldn't kind of just sit on your hands and, and let hunter dickinson go elsewhere without pursuing that opportunity because what if oscar sheboy does not return to kentucky and then you're left sitting there over two it had to come down to going for hunter first and if you get it then it's kind of it's just the the nature of the beast and recruiting and roster construction and everything like Hunter Dickinson had to be priority number one. And uh, it, it, it's been, like you said, like keep, keeping it close to the vest and uh, you, you see recruitments like this and things where you really truly do not know what someone's going to do and multiple visits. And we know John Calipari met with him and stuff and before he ever got to Lexington and then he had the visit and we know that the other one's scheduled and the places he's been. So I mean, he's a talented piece, and uh, he's the number one transfer in the portal for a reason. Highly sought after, and uh, Kentucky is definitely in that pecking order to try to land his services. And if they can swing it, uh, you you like where Kentucky's going to be on the floor from a veteran standpoint, offensive standpoint, and uh, still enough to follow over the coming days and in the next week and things to figure out what happens with this before you ever really start worrying about what's going on with Oscar Sheboy. And I guess uh, if we're looking for news and we're looking for updates, um, 
I will say the big thing coming out of the Kentucky visit is he didn't come in, you know, all the talk with him has been NIL, what his NIL demands are going to be, because there is an expectation. He's not making demands, but there is um, an expectation that, okay, if I'm going to my next stop, if, I, if I'm going to go to uh, try to find my next home and, you know, for branding purposes, obviously if, if he were an NBA player, he would be in the NBA, right, Sean? So, He's looking for the best opportunity for him to make. Okay, he's going to try to get to the NBA, but at least salary wise and money wise, put him in position to uh, if he if he's not going to be an, an NBA player right now, he at least wants to be compensated accordingly to you know for for his branding and in his status as a college basketball star, the same way Oscar Sheboy did this past year. So I don't blame him uh, in that regard. But the positive thing for me leaving that visit was. I confirmed on Kentucky side that that there were no NIL demands. Like it, it's a mil, the the starting point is a million dollars, take it or leave it. If you're not going to come close to that, then these conversations aren't even going to get started. That that's not what he was looking for on this visit. Uh, he genuinely went in with an open ear, looking to do his due diligence and say, okay, I, I want X number of boxes checked. Wherever my next stop is, I need them to be able to check all of these boxes that I have for, uh, you know, branding. Yes, and I will be important, but it's not about a, an actual dollar number, but more so, hey, how are you going to elevate me with my status and, and you know, help put me in position for the AT&T Jacob Toppin commercials, for the Beats by Dre deal with Chris Livingston, those sorts of things. It was more so opportunity-based, more so than write me a check worth X number of dollars, which that's what Kentucky wants to hear. They do not want to deal with NIL demands and, and uh, you know, our conversations start at X number of dollars or whatever, because those are non, non-starters. Kentucky do- hasn't been operating uh, with those types of demands, and they're not going to start with Hunter or Oscar or anybody. So that made me feel better about the, the, the whole situation going into this, uh, that he did not make any demands. They talk about NIL and how branding would help him, but it was also definitely more about roster fit and construction and, Hey, how am I going to be used to also, you know, put me in position for the pros and, and what in the next level? Uh, really productive and positive conversations that um, I was a little bit skeptical going into the visit about just the seriousness and how how serious he was about Kentucky. And nothing I heard after the fact made me think that okay, he was just using Kentucky for uh, for leverage, nil leverage or whatever that he was. He's definitely serious about Kentucky, whether or not he ends up there. Uh, is one thing, but I, I was very happy to hear that it's not just about NIL. Yeah, that, that's the encouraging side. If you're if you're Kentucky, right, is that you're not just being used as a stepping stone to maybe increase your value or increase your asking price or whatever's going on. But it, it was more so to do with does will would this work? Not in a money standpoint. You know, there's money at Kentucky. Like uh, there, there's going to be money made from from NIL. Like that's not even really. Uh, to me, the the focal point, it was more of a, you know, do I see myself fitting in with this program with the pieces that I do know are on this roster? And is this something that we can make work? Yeah, um, I, I guess I will add that there was also, you know, there were some questions on Hunter's side uh, about some of the other things that they had heard um, on the recruiting trail. Um some other programs have been negatively recruiting Kentucky and its staff and its roster and basically saying, do you understand how things work? Yeah. Oscar Sheway was great this past season, but did you see how one dimensional the team got and how, 
uh, the team kind of crumbled with how they went about doing things. Is that really what you want? Do you want to be a one-dimensional team, you know, a, a team without a, a super high ceiling, whatever? Uh, uh, they used some of the team's flaws this past season and just, you know, roster construction in general against Kentucky, Kansas being one of them. Kansas is actively recruiting against Kentucky for Hunter Dickinson, and Kansas is seen as one of the top contenders for uh, his services. Uh, what does that make you think, Sean, that, that uh, you know, every school is going to get negatively recruited against? But knowing kind of our concerns with how this past season went and, ro- and roster construction roles and those sorts of things, uh, that that was a, a, a question that Kentucky had to answer going into this visit. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where as a coaching staff around college basketball, you you hear about it. It's everywhere, right? Like every time when you're going up against uh, a, a program and they're recruiting services for someone else and things like that, you're going to get the negative recruiting pitches from from other programs. Some of them a little bit more public than others, given the caliber of the program that Kentucky is or the Carolinas or the Dukes or whatever. But we knew if Kentucky would struggle in certain areas, whether it be transfers or players not, maybe like this is why it's so dangerous to make players promises, right? Mm-hmm. And in and, and that regard is if you fall through on that promise, what happens? It gets, oh, he made this promise and then didn't follow through with it. So we know John Calipari and stuff isn't the type of coach to promise minutes and promise roles and promise this stuff. And there's a reason why. And it's things like this. But the style of play, the other areas where they do come up short at times, not making runs in the NCAA tournament, struggling offensively, struggling defensively, things like that. That's the that's more of the basketball side. that I can deal with that. Like, I can deal with that more so than anything else because that is just a coaching advantage standpoint to where you look and say, okay, he was this player was used like this here. Are you willing to be possibly used that same way? You think Kentucky doesn't do that at times when they recruit up against somebody, maybe look so at other coaching staffs and, and maybe point to a player that's been there and be like, well, that five-star kid didn't – it didn't work out there, but it come here and you go look at what we have in the NBA right now things like that like that that's an approach that goes on so I'm okay with it because I think that we've had those same discussions on this show about things and how things were used so if we're having that discussion you know the professionals are having those same discussions and it's made its way to living rooms and things and it's going to be negatively used against Kentucky and uh but at the end of the day Kentucky's voice and what John Calipari has to say is it holds the most weight it's not as much about what everybody else says it's about what Cal says and if, if this plays out and Kentucky wins this thing and, and wins this recruitment, then uh, it all comes down to something that John Calipari said or made Hunter Dickinson feel comfortable. Look, Cal's done this for years. He's been able to to dodge and, and guide around negative recruiting pitches for years, and I wouldn't expect this one to be any different. If Hunter wants to be at Kentucky, Cal will find a way. And I will say, though there aren't – Demands. He did not go in and say, I need X number of dollars. Um, talking to various people around, um, you know, at EYBL and, and, you know, different coaches and people that are very familiar with his recruitment and how things have gone. Um, there's an, there's a seven figure expectation for Hunter of, okay, I want to be able to, you know, again, I'm not looking for a million dollar check, but, 
that is kind of what I'm looking for to make in this upcoming year of college basketball. If you could get me to to this point and, and, and open up the door for different branding opportunities and things like that, that that's what he'd be looking for. So um, that was kind of the running total at first. So going into the visit, I had heard that number and I thought that was the, the, like, it was like a $1 million demand. And I was like, well, this visit's going to be toast. Kentucky's uh, they're going to, he's going to go in and demand a million dollars. Like, Baylor Shireman and some other guys last recruiting cycle and Cal's going to shake his hand and say, Hey man, I appreciate uh, the interest. Uh, let us know if there's anything we can do for you, but that's not something that we're going to be doing here. So I was a little very skeptical, skeptical going into the visit that, okay, well he has a price tag on his head that like, that's not going to happen. Cal's not going to work with that. But hearing after the fact that, okay, yeah, like he would, he would like to go to a school that puts him in position to do that, which is totally fair. I mean, it's kind of the deal, what we're going through with Oscar Sheboy. And if he does decide to return to college basketball, what that would mean and how much money he could make and, uh, you know, the the totals and all that stuff. So uh, on Kentucky's side, they did not make any demands, but they also made it clear that, hey, we know that Oscar Sheboy made more money here this past year than anywhere else in college basketball. We know that for a fact. We can do that with you here and put you, you know, assuming you come in and produce the way that we expect you to and you expect you to, there's no reason that you can't be in the same ballpark as Oscar Sheway. Just be the same, you know, big personality brand type of guy, uh, and people will want to sign you up for commercial deals. And it's going to be a whole hell of a lot easier to do those here uh, in the States because there's no, you know, visa restrictions or anything like Oscar Sheway was dealing with. So it was a really enticing recruiting pitch on Kentucky side with NIL that, you know, we saw what we just went through with Oscar Sheboy, a arguably the best center in college basketball, Hunter Dickinson being up there as well. If he's able to do that here with visa restrictions, what can you do without them with us next season? So, uh, again, there wasn't an a- a- actual number that Kentucky threw out there, but said there's we know what Oscar made this past year. We can compete with that. Yeah, and, and two, like you're to a point here with Kentucky, like, when it comes to recruitment and to NIL, we, we know that there's money in this at UK. We, we've seen it. I mean, look at the money that Ugana made. Look at the money that Antonio Reeves made. I mean, we, we've talked about those figures and, and the money that's been there. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, if, if he ends up at Kentucky, Jack, I think it's, it's a guarantee that you're going to be on a premier program. It's also a guarantee that you're going to cash in on it. And and I think that it's almost to a point that money really shouldn't even be the bulk of discussions when it comes to landing at Kentucky as a transfer, especially a, a player of his caliber. And he would be a senior this year, correct? Is that with two years of eligibility? Left. That's, so that's he, what has, that he has a senior year and his COVID that's, year. That's that's what I was going to add. So there, there's there's even there's more appeal to me there now that you could get two years. Whereas one more year of Oscar, like, I mean, I, I think if you're, if you're looking at that, I mean, that's something that you have to at least take into account, right? Is mm-hmm. if it works out in one year for Hunter at UK, who's to say there's not a, another year of Hunter at UK, then you've kind of solidified that five spot with a, a veteran piece that has had a lot of success and a lot of experience in college basketball. So I think there's some appeal and some intrigue there for, from that standpoint too. And, it, it, it is getting to the point that we're kind of fading out the COVID year. We're almost through that. This whole college basketball is significantly older than it's ever been because you have guys that are 
using that extra additional year, that, that is going to phase itself out over the course of the next two seasons. And then you're going to see things kind of get back to normal with the way rosters are, are constructed and, and teams aren't as old. But look, uh, this is an approach that Kentucky could be could be old. You could end up with Antonio Reeves again. You could have Hunter Dickinson. Like there's there's some older guys out there in college basketball, and Kentucky could blend it well with some some youth and some uh, some veteran pieces. But NIL talk and stuff to me, like that is one of the, that should be one of the most solidified things about coming to Kentucky at this point is you know there's money. I don't think you should come in with an asking price because, like you said, if you come in with this number in your mind, Cal's probably going to be like, mm, this guy's just chasing money. And that's never been something about the program. I mean, we know. Look at what they're doing in the NBA right now. I mean, every time you turn on TNT or ESPN or ABC, whatever it is, it's a Kentucky Wildcat that's going for 30-plus and earning bukus of money and max contracts and things like that. Like, the money talk at Kentucky is it's, – it's always been come here and, and you're, you get taken care of. And uh, Hunter would be taken care of. Like, there's no doubt he would earn a lot of money. I don't know if it – I mean, I don't know what number it would get to, Jack, but – he would definitely be in a very good situation if he ends up playing in Lexington. Yeah. And I mean, there's kind of this narrative right now that Georgetown doesn't have the NIL bag, if you will, that other schools have, but I'd actually heard that they've made a pretty competitive offer and uh, had a pretty compelling pitch for Hunter. And uh, I think that's pretty fascinating because that was kind of the one school that, I wasn't really accounting for to be a player with NIL because there is just so much talk about them uh, not having the same resources with with NIL as some of these other programs. So that kind of caught me off guard. But I will add that Kansas, they got a bag. Like they they have a pretty substantial um, number that they made it clear to Hunter that they that he'd be able to make there. And there is a lot of positive buzz about Kansas as well. Again, he he keeps things so close to vest. So a lot of this stuff is just coaches that are involved that are, I think, kind of recruiting against each other through back channels. Like I, I think the number, the million dollar number that I heard going into the EYBL weekend was from coaches involved with this recruitment that clearly know that I'm associated with Kentucky and clearly want that number. Get, getting back to Kentucky and other programs competing for this kid, if anything else, to kind of be a deterrent like, oh, well, we have $2 million on the table for him. What are you going to be able to provide? I know you can't hit that number. I know Maryland can't hit fill in the blank. Like, so I, I think there's a lot of that at play, too, where they're kind of recruiting against each other, knowing that he is – like, Kentucky was genuinely – talking to several people involved with it, they were kind of like, you know, we, we know it went well, like they, the feedback was really good on our end, but there was not a single like aha moment with Hunter leaving the visit where he was like, okay, he's, he's ours. Like most guys, most guys you get a feel afterward and you know, all right, we either got him or yeah, it didn't go very well. You know, he's probably going to, he's like in the other vibe. It was, he was super close to vest on purpose. And you can and you can speak to this more than I can because I know you've had plenty of more conversations with parents and stuff. But it's much easier to wow a 17 year old kid than it is to wow a guy that's experienced a lot in college basketball and been a lot of places, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not the wow factor of seeing the facilities or seeing the things at Kentucky or whatever they've got going on. It's more so of a it's it's a business decision at this point for this guy. 
Whereas a 17 year old kid, you take them to Duke or you take them to Kansas or you take them to UK and you let kind of the environment and the atmosphere kind of do its thing. With Hunter, a guy who's played in the Big Ten, he's played Kentucky's, he's played the, all the big programs in college basketball. There, there's not as much of a wow factor to it. It's more of a, he has a checklist of things that he's looking at, Jack, and how many boxes get checked at Kentucky? Does Do other schools check more boxes than Kentucky can? And I think that that's what it comes down to for, for a guy like himself, a, a veteran guy that's been in college basketball for, for a long time. I think it's, it's harder to impress someone of that magnitude just from a visit to campus and a place he'd already seen before. So, like, that's the thing, like, that point was stressed to me more than anything. It was like this kid, he's a senior in college. He has, he's a three time all conference member as productive as any player in college basketball. He's not looking for glitz and glamor and the no. blue, the blue carpet rollout. Like that's not what this kid is looking for. He's looking for boxes to be checked. Okay. Yep. Is this, this school going, am I going to make more money at this school than this school? Are the opportunities going to be more lucrative here or here? What's the role going to look like? What's my relationship with the staff? Are they going to put me in? Put you know, put, the big thing with him this past year was you know he shot pretty darn well, but didn't have a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity to kind of showcase that. And I think he is looking for that. And if we're talking about Aaron Bradshaw and how exciting he is as a deep ball shooter and the face up game and all that stuff. Okay, well, Hunter's kind of looking for something similar. You know, might be less fluid. It would probably be the best way to to, to compare a seven foot one, two hundred and sixty pound center versus a seven one buck eighty five center. Like, obviously, there's going to be more finesse with Aaron Bradshaw's game, but they're kind of looking for something similar. Hunter's wanting to be able to do that. So it's, it's little things like that. It, it was, what's role going to look like? Uh, are we going to have the same? one-dimensional issues that you guys experienced last season with, with Oscar Sheboy, making sure that Oscar Sheboy won't be on the roster as Hunter. I've never seen a kid more blunt and honest about like just the whole process and, and you know, being on his little podcast saying, yeah, Cal flew out to go see me. And, you know, we're talking about Oscar Sheboy and uh, he was like, I'm not going to spill the news for him, but you know, I'm making this visit with the assumption that that's not going to be an issue. Like, super transparent about like, I mean, it's just really cool. It's refreshing to have somebody yeah. info on their own, but that was also a very clear concern and something that needed to get addressed that uh, I was told Kentucky handled very well. They, they, all the, the questions that Hunter and his family had for Kentucky, they had the answers for, and that, that that's substantial. Well, you know, even on the podcast, the wow factor wasn't there that, the the other guy on the podcast was the one that was just like, dude, that's that's cool. John Calipari come to an airport and got off a plane and talked Have to you. Have you seen the picture it, of the airport? No, I haven't. It's like it's like a a, a closet. Like it, it is like a <laughs> one room like classroom building almost. Like like you like a, a, a elementary school classroom, one one little room. With like a couple chairs, couple like I mean, it's like a super private, low key. Um, like maybe a vending machine, maybe a couple chairs maybe. here and there. A water, a water fountain, maybe like in a bathroom. <laughs> that, that's it. That, that's that's basically there, it. So is there Wi-Fi? For Cal, for Cal to roll up there in his private jet <laughs> and say, "Yeah, come out onto the tarmac. Let's go talk, talk hoop." Like, 
pretty ball like pretty baller. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It, it is that that's that's one of those that mm, that's one of those John Calipari did that moments, right? Like it's like the stuff you know Demarcus Cousins talking the last few weeks about you know if you want to take care of your family, you you go. If you want to take care of mine, you come back. Like those are man, those are some those are the cow statements that you're like, wow, this this man's really doing it. So I know we we thought that was cool, but Hunter was like, yeah, he flew up here and talked to me and. Yeah, I'm going to go down there for a visit and all this stuff. Like, you know, just kind of not giving anything away about where he's leaning or, or what he's thinking. Yeah, and I'm sure he appreciated that. Not that that's super cool cow to do. But like we said, there's boxes to be checked, and there's going to come off. There's going to be a list, and whoever checks the most boxes for Hunter Dickinson is who's going to land it. And financially is at the top of that thing. And I, I just think that when it comes to money, you can cap it at other schools. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can cap it at Kentucky because we don't know what his popularity is going to be. Like, look at some of these guys that come in. Like, did we think that Oscar Sheboy was going to be as popular at Kentucky as what he ended up being? No. No chance. We don't know what Hunter Dickinson's going to be. If he ends up at Kentucky and something takes off and there's a moment or he says something. I mean, Tower Hero literally said, I'm a bucket. If there had been NIL when Tyler Hero said, I'm a bucket at the free throw line, can you imagine how much money he would have made? A lot. Like, a, a lot. lot. So, bucket, and, and those a are, lot of buckets worth. Yeah, a lot of buckets worth. And there's there's those just things that happen within the season that you just cannot control that just are natural things that develop and happen, storylines. Oscar Sheboy literally taking where they used to put threes up and they started putting R's up at Rupp Arena. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, so who's to say that there's not some fan crazy moment that results from Hunter Dickinson being at Kentucky? And maybe it happens in Canada this summer. You never know. Maybe something grabs on and, and you kind of latch onto that and, you, and it happens. I mean, there, there's always some type of storyline. Every single year of, of all or surrounding a player like Antonio Threes. I mean, look, look at that. There, there's, there's shirts there. I mean, there's there's all kinds of opportunities and things. Like you just you never know. And that's the thing. Like I don't think you can, can I don't think you can cap what the possibilities are at a place like Kentucky. I don't think you can cap it at Kansas. I think that that's the the other argument from their vantage point. So some schools you're kind of capped. You are what you are. But the exposure at a place like Kentucky, the exposure at a place like Kansas and some of these other programs. It's just different, and and to me that that's where the NIL conversations actually matter. Is how much can I earn here? And I think that he left Lexington knowing that there's a buckets possibility of money that he, that he could earn in Lexington. Uh, so leaving the visit, Kentucky was pretty confident that he would be taking that visit to Villanova, and there was some very like super loose buzz that Monday was kind of the tentative plan. He had, he had talked on his last podcast about taking that mysterious visit, um, wherever that was going to be. Um, I don't think that is right now uh, on the table, at least just from the vibes that Kentucky got from them about kind of just expectation timeline, what they're expecting in that regard. Um, but the way they, the, the vibe they kind of got from Hunter and his side was that after this visit to Villanova, that they kind of put their heads together and say, all right, 
what are we looking for? What is the final answer here? Let's make a decision. So I would not think, I, I do not think that this is going to last too much longer. I think we could hear something, I mean, almost immediately after his trip to Villanova, which is great because I'm excited to just one way or the other, instead of Oscar versus Hunter Dickinson, just know, okay, is it Hunter? Or do we now have to go all in on, on Oscar Sheboy if he does decide to go to Kansas or you know, Georgetown or what, whatever the case is. So that, that I, I like the way that this is unfolding where it's like, okay, we can now go all in on Hunter, see if he wants to be here. And if this is the right fit, or we can go then go all in on Oscar Sheboy and then worry about what's next after that. So I, I like the way this is unfolding. Yeah. It, it, it provides some clarity to where, you know, Kentucky can go. Like once this decision is made, I mean, it, it is what it is, but, I, I just keep going back to the decision a couple of weeks ago with, with Ugana deciding to return and, and withdraw his name. Because then if, if that played out the way it was trending at the beginning, then you don't get Hunter. Then you're in this whole thing where you're like, it has to be Oscar. And then what if it's not Oscar? So there there is some clarity with Kentucky's roster with decisions that have been made and stuff over the course of the last seven to ten days. But this one's the one that would provide the most. This is where you're like, okay, now I can actually see what Kentucky's final roster could start to look like. We don't know. Like right now, you can take and put Hunter in there, and then you can pull Hunter out, and you can put Oscar in there, and you envision two different types of teams that will play differently at that spot. You get a better offensive player in one. You get an elite rebounder in the other. Neither one of them are really great defensively, but there's differences. And we, we have no idea. And that's where you see people dropping Kentucky in rankings. You see Lenardi dropping Ullman and stuff in projections, which is stupid this top of year anyhow, because who knows? But I get it. Like when you we understand from the media world, you gotta have conversation. There's gotta be something to talk about. So when you look at that, that's why. We have no idea what Kentucky's gonna look like at the five. And that is a that's an important piece to what Kentucky can be. What, six, seven months from now? Or three months from two two months from now, as we go to Toronto and play some really darn good competition, uh, in that's uh, exciting. In, by the way, global jam game. That's gonna be awesome. That's gonna that, be that's, really really cool. Yeah, and and two like the ticket prices. You see that like twenty dollars session. Yeah. Like, I mean, like everybody should be everybody should be doing that. Like that mm-hmm. when you see what you had to pay to get to the Bahamas and everything and resorts and all that stuff, like. I mean, make the drive or the flight or whatever you want to do. If you want to see scenic Canada, then take the drive. Uh, if not, then uh, fly and uh, go. I mean, how many other times can you watch Kentucky play for 20 bucks a session? And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be another summer of this show talking and breaking down Kentucky basketball. That's something that we've got to do the last two years. And uh, I think that this is the team that needs that trip because they're going to have so many new pieces and uh, you're going to get to see them after about what, six weeks on campus. We'll get some action. Yeah. yeah. So sooner than planned, right? Like you're, they're a little bit more together in the Bahamas trips because it's August. They've had a couple of months. This is quick. Yeah. And this is, this is like six weeks of workouts and stuff. Like there's not going to be a ton of, this is what we're doing. This it's going to be just get out there and play. Kentucky will lose games. Do they will not. Do not throw temper tantrums and pull your hair out and lose your mind. Like Kentucky will lose games. We are all going to be in this together. <laughs> Just take it one game at a time and acknowledge that it's a good thing that they're going. To... 
if they go in there and lose four games, I don't think that that's going to be a bad thing. Like, I think they need those early adversities. And and a big person, we got to talk about this. Rob Dillingham gets officially cleared yeah. academically. I, when I tell you the relief, so the the, the <laughs> my go-to person at OTE comes up to me at at the at, uh, the EYBL stop in Atlanta and says, "Hey, I figured you should probably put this out." Uh, Kyle Tucker and I were standing right next to each other and was like, "Let's spread the word pretty quickly because this is really good news." And I know there's a lot of skepticism and worry and concern about all this, but. Rob got his paperwork back from the NCAA this week. He is cleared. He's good to go. Transcripts have been approved. Pending graduation. All he has to do now is just graduate, and he's good to go, good to get in. So, uh, Sean, what's the significance of that? How excited are you to kind of get that weight lifted off off our shoulder? There was all all concern about the back and forth, all different high schools and uh, online versus in-person schooling and all that stuff. Now that he has been cleared, the official documentation from the NCAA – how much better do you feel about just kind of big picture what this team is? Well, it, it was something too that it had been there for a while. Like, you know, not really surprised, but it kind of gained traction as we got to the spring and started talking about roster construction. I think everybody was really distracted with the last season's team and following along that it doesn't really become a concern until the season ends. And then you start kind of, you know, grabbing onto everything, thinking, okay, what's next year, year's roster going to look like? But no, I think it's good for both sides. I think it's good for Rob to to know that, hey, we're good to go, time to get to Lexington, get to work, but also the fan base that can stop worrying about it and just kind of be like, all right, Kentucky's not going to have to run to the portal here late and try to to get a body and and things like that. And uh, I I think it's good for both sides to kind of just uh, move forward here and uh, know that he's going to be in Lexington and everything is that clearing and, and being cleared, that's a that's a big step. And we can finally stop talking about, well, what if Rob doesn't make it to Lexington? Because that and, was all over the comments the last month and a half of the show. It was like, what's the situation with Rob? What's the situation with Rob? And nothing had changed. Right. And now it's 100% on Rob. Like there's, there is no, like on paper, there's no, there's now no excuse for Rob to not be a Wildcat. There's yeah. no reason why he shouldn't be in Lexington. So it's almost a relief on Kentucky's side where if he gets flaky, if something unfolds, it, like it's 100% now on Rob. It's not like there's a, well, couldn't make the grades. Sorry, guys. I'm going to try to look at my other op. Like, I mean, he is cleared, ready to go to get to the University of Kentucky. Now it's 100% a Rob Dillingham decision whether he's going to be here or not. And everything that I have heard, on you know, talking to Rob directly – I mean, last time I was at OTE, he was like, hey, man, how excited are you to get down there? He didn't want to do any on-record interviews or anything like that. But he was like, yeah, man, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, kind of move on from this part of my life. The high school, the the back and forth of, uh, you know, just the narrative that is kind of Rob Dillingham right now. He's he's excited for that fresh start elsewhere and it being Kentucky. So everything I've heard on Kentucky side everything I've heard on OTE side, everything I've heard on Rob Dillingham from him specifically, it's all we're focused on Kentucky getting to Lexington. And and so now, now that the academic side is out of, out of the circumstance, now it's all right. If, if he doesn't show up, it's 100% on him. So now you almost kind of have to take him for his word. Got to take UK for his word and take OTE for their word and say, all right, let's, let's move forward. And if stuff happens, then, there we have like there is an actual something to blame 
Like that, 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 that's just the fact of the matter now. So it's just really refreshing to kind of rip that bandaid off and say, all right, here's the reality of the situation. We're good to go. Uh, I'm definitely excited because goodness gracious, it's very, very exciting basketball player. It is. And that, that's the other thing that I was going to do. I was going to take it this direction is I think what it does to me is it just solidifies that I can actually be excited about Kentucky's backcourt. And I, I think that the backcourt itself has the most potential of the, of any backcourt since the Maxi quickly Hagens run that year, because I think that that's been one of the biggest things that has really hurt Kentucky in the last couple of years. I think their backcourts let them down. And I know some of that was due to injury a year ago and, and other things, but I also think that they had guys that were kind of limited in what some guys could do. And, and I think Rob is one of those pieces that you, you add to your roster that has the ability to go into a game and kind of affect it immediately with his ability to score the ball and his dynamic approach and, how shifty he is and things like that. And he's going to bring a lot of excitement to the floor when he's on there. He's going to bring some headache at times with some things he's going to do. And we know that, but you, that's what, that's what you get with Rob, right? You got to take that with the really good output that he can have. And then you hope by February, March, John Calipari reels it in and you get the best of Rob majority of the time. And what will his role be? Will it be a starting role? Will it be a sixth man kind of, spark plug piece that just comes in and gets buckets off the bench. Like, I think that's what it did. And we were talking a week ago about this backcourt and what it could be. And at no point did I ever mention Reed Shepard's name. I didn't even mention it. And like the depth of talent in the backcourt and the possibilities and the pieces that Kentucky has, I think that that's the, the thing that Rob being cleared kind of solidifies to me is that John Calipari it's not just one or two guys. Like if, if Antonio Reeves does indeed come back, then I think that Cal's got plenty of options where he can look at a three guard lineup and you got Justin Edwards who can, who can slide and do some different things too, that I, I just think that the potential in the backcourt is kind of off the charts. And uh, anytime you can add pieces and, and get it confirmed like a Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, we know at least two of those guys are going to work out and probably live up to what their billing has, has been. And if, if they all do, then then look out. But you you have a little bit of security here when you have that many dudes that can play. It's it's going to work out. And there's going to be a couple of guys that are going to emerge. Some are going to regress. Some will be exactly what we thought they were or settle in. But Rob's that guy that I'm interested in because I do not know what his role is going to be. But that's a guy that you want on this roster. And I, I think that Kentucky fans are excited about it now that they know that they can kind of relax a little bit and uh, not worry about it. I, I talked to this just this past weekend and and I, I hinted on it on one of the previous shows, and, you know, cause it does suck to just have it be just pessimism and, Oh, well, if Rob makes it, it'd be exciting. And, you know, even some of the, the bad stuff with Rob, like from just an on court standpoint, just, you know, the erraticness and all that, like, you know, it almost feels like you're not giving the kid a shot to prove himself and kind of, go against the grain and say, you know, that was what I was known for in high school, but here's why I picked Kentucky to kind of knock those knocks out. Uh, Cause I will say that the last couple weeks I've heard that Rob has been like insanely good at OTE competing against pros. Uh, like just this past week, they had a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, they had Rodney hood, uh, Derek favors, um, Noah Vonley. So like not superstars in the NBA, but, NBA talent in there. And apparently Rob was just cooking them, like just absolutely destroying them. And that's what you want. You want to see a pro level talent 
cook pros. Like that's that's what Kentucky used to be. So it was really refreshing hearing all this stuff. Oh well, he's not getting shots up in the gym. And then hearing the, comp, the 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 devil's advocate side of that. Well, I've actually heard now since that. Yeah, he's not getting shots up with everybody else, and he's just kind of a stick to himself kind of guy. He gets all of his shot, shots up late at night, and uh, you know, works with his trainer, and like that's just kind of his vision. Like that's his his time, and you know, it's kind of like a mental health therapy kind of thing for him too. That he likes just being in the gym late at night. It's like a relaxing, calm thing for him. So that kind of throughout my. You know, I've I'd heard that he hasn't been in the gym enough. Well, I've now heard that like he has been and continues to be, but just in different ways. Hearing that he's cooking and, and all that and now the academic side of stuff. It's just it, it feels good to have positive stuff to talk about with Rob and just be really excited about the exciting stuff with him. Like that that's what that's why Cal took a chance on this kid, because there's so much excitement and so much upside with this. It's like, let's well, be excited for it. Like there, there's we've been through way too much to not get excited. Let's stop bringing ourselves down and just say, you know what? This is what it is. Let's embrace, let's embrace the chaos that is, that is Rob Dillingham. And that's, and that's what I was coming from that. I don't know what the role is going to be. And, and and the role that I'm talking about, it isn't what it will be basketball wise. Like I know what his role is going to be. It's going to be to put points on the board. It's going to be able to, to hit shots and to go in and get his own and, and do things like that and kind of be this electric dynamic piece. But more so the role I'm talking about is, is it starting is it a six-man role? Is it a, is it a seventh man off the bench? Does it change game to game depending on matchups? Like, this seems like a backcourt to me if it all falls in place the way we expect it to and Reeves is a part of it. And Dillingham, you know, now that we know he's making it to campus, that foul trouble shouldn't really be as impactful for it because you've got multiple guys that can be primary ball handlers and can do some things. And I think that that adds – some kind of, you know, insurance to John Calipari and what this staff can do if you can manage foul trouble and you got dudes that can handle the ball. And like last year, like there were times where Duthiero had to run the point. I don't think we're going to get to a point in this season or even the summer where that has to happen. And speaking of a do, that's a name that we haven't really mentioned on the show. And I'm intrigued to see what his role is going to be. Do, do they transition him more to a forward if he continues to grow the way – they expect him to uh is he more of a guard is he like a a tweener a guy that slides and plays multiple positions like could you see him playing some three if he continues to grow before his time at kentucky's up does he slide and do some face up four like that's a that's an intriguing piece to me on this roster that i I don't know what his role will be there and i know there's nothing official with him but that's a guy that i feel like we should talk about too that i don't know how much of an impact he will make but he at least adds depth at multiple positions that he can slide and play multiple spots. And I, I will say that is why in a roundabout way, why CJ Frederick hit the transfer portal because of those questions, because there's so much emphasis on Rob Dillingham, because we know DJ Wagner is going to play because as we talked uh, last show, uh, Antonio Reeves is very, very, very likely to come back. I mean, I would absolutely be shocked if, if he did not come back at this point. He's still uh, oh, wanting to test the waters thoroughly and, and get a real honest feedback, but he knows that he's going to make more money at Kentucky. He knows that there's a big role waiting for him. The shots are going to be there. I mean, it just makes way too much sense for, for Antonio Reeves, who has no draft stock right now, to not come back. Then you have a do Thero. Then you have Reed Shepard, who I had heard – 
like he's going to be playing 15 plus minutes. Like that's kind of the expectation on Cal's and that he wants Reed to play and play early. And I, it got to the point with CJ Frederick who wanted to come back to Kentucky wants to one day join John Calipari's staff, like has the most respect imaginable for Cal and, and what they what he's doing. And uh, he wants to get into coaching and knows that Cal is, is a, a huge platform for him and they've worked together so well. And he's kind of like a coach on the floor and on the bench when he was hurt. Like it just makes way too much sense to do that. But it got to a point where with CJ where once he made the decision that, okay, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to play again, but how am I going to come back to play five minutes in my last year of eligibility in college? No, I like that. He, he understood that he needed to go somewhere where he would be able to kind of get a chance to be himself and, and, you know, kind of a prove it thing. Like, a, you know, ego gets in the way and he was once a 47% three point shooter at Iowa. You know, part of him is like, man, I want to prove I can do that again. And will I get that chance at Kentucky? If we're all being honest, probably not no. given where things stand with the freshmen, where you know you're bringing in four freshman guards, plus a new Thero, plus Antonio Reeves. That's six guys. Where does CJ fit in? That was not a question that he was going to leave to chance. He was not going to risk that in his final year of eligibility. And I don't blame him, but it's also kind of a refreshing thing that we now have six guards, six. You know, the the, the main backcourt is kind of solidified. Once we get confirmations from Antonio Reeves and a Thero, which are both expected. Uh, barring any random addition, that would be the only reason a, a Duthiero gets out. And I guess you could say the same about Antonio. If Cal finds some guy he falls in love with in the portal, that would push Antonio back because, again, he is only, you know, he, he role and, and how usage and those sorts of things are kind of going to be what he's looking for uh, to come back. So uh, as of right now, like, we're pretty confident and we're, we're, we're feeling pretty firm about those six in the backcourt. And as you talked about mm-hmm. earlier, like, uh, that's a six I'm pretty confident in rolling out. I am too. And with any combo, really, with the, with those guys. Like, I, I think that you you have depth. You have you have guys that can play multiple positions that can slide and play on the ball, off the ball, and, and, and do different roles and things. And I, I think that that's why I'm so excited about the backcourt is I feel like that they don't just have – they don't just have guys that are pigeonholed into doing just one thing. Like you don't just have the labeled shooter. You have guys that can can do it great off the bounce. Like Antonio Reeves is a guy, if he is on this roster, and we both expect him to be, who can do it in middle ball screen. He can do it off the ball, catching and shooting. He can go get his own and, and then a true three-level score. Like CJ was the guy that he had to knock down open shots. So you're kind of pigeonholed. And that's no knock on CJ. You each All basketball rosters across the country have those guys on them. But I just feel like Kentucky doesn't necessarily just have those guys in the backcourt. I feel like they got a lot of guys that can put the ball in their hands and make plays, but they also have the ability to slide and step off the ball and play that two or the three spot and do it effectively as well and not have to have the ball in their hands. And I think that'll be the biggest thing with this backcourt is there's one basketball and there's guys that are really, really good with the ball in their hands. But we also know there's none better than John Calipari at taking that one basketball and kind of spreading it evenly throughout a backcourt. And that think that's the most appeal to me about Hunter Dickinson or Oscar Shibway being back on this roster. I don't think the usage rate for those guys are going to be as high as what it was last year because of the guys they have in the backcourt. That's why I'm intrigued by it. You're not going to have a high usage center or high usage five. 
because of DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham. Those guys thrive with the ball in their hands. I saw some people talking about Adu, and I've had some people mention it to me as well. Like, you know, he's a guy that maybe should look at the portal and, and see what his options are. I disagree just because I think that if Adu's role isn't significant this year, I think that that year after is when you could see Adu Thiero really take a gigantic step forward after being in the program for two years. By then, you'll know what his body's going to be, where he's probably going to settle in his height, maybe work on his on his shot and things a little bit more. But I think that there's a role there, an opportunity, and you get this trip to to Toronto and stuff this summer. That's where you're going to kind of find out where guys are. And look, being being in this program for a year, there's advantages to it. I mean, Lance Ware's been in this program forever, and and stuff. And and we know that probably he's going to get some opportunity as well. It's another name that we don't mention and stuff because we've kind of just been like, eh, you know, Lance been here forever. But this roster started to take shape. You're starting to look at it, and you can kind of envision where it's going to be. It's just now who's the five. That's what I'm looking at now. It's like, what? who's the five? Give me that, and then I can finally start to see what Kentucky could be on paper and then start talking possibilities and some lineups and, and mix-ups and things like that. And I'm still saying mid-May is probably when we'll know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know Preston Floberg on the comment section has asked like 85 times chances on Trey Johnson. So I appreciate uh, his his patience. Um, I will say just quickly to because he was has been so persistent to get this question in. Um, I didn't get great vibes on Kentucky leaving EYBL this past weekend talking to him. I definitely think Texas is the you know, pretty firmly the leader right now. Baylor still right there and Kentucky's, I mean, in full pursuit was their courtside at every single game. Cal wants him more than anybody in the class. Um, Boogie Flan still right there. Cal uh, was out in um, Omaha to see uh, Flory Badunga, who is for my money, the best, most dominant player in high school basketball. And um, some of those names, I want to actually get in depth on that at some point in one of these next couple episodes. We shoot. I have, great wi-fi now so we can literally do this whenever now there's really no like hesitation on it so let's do that because we're actually going like right after this 11 personnel is going to start uh they're live from live in kansas city to break down the nfl draft very excited to hear how that goes and uh what the, the latest with will levis and the draft projections and all that stuff so stay on this feed and just keep watching the next one. We're very excited for that. They do great stuff. Nick Roush, Adam Bucket, uh, they're, they're out there in Kansas City. So I do want to wrap up this show before that staff updates. Um, I, I did hear some uh, another new name while I was out in, in Atlanta and um, even today confirming that name. Uh, Chuck Martin, who is currently at Oregon, uh, is is in conversations. Uh, that, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. John Welch, who um, is the father of Riley Welch is like was in Lexington this past weekend to talk with John Calipari about the, just uh, what things would look like. And it, kind of, it was kind of crappy timing because you have Hunter on Sunday and you have recruiting, basically everything leading up. So it was kind of a lot of back and forth conversations with, with guys that are on the staff already here in Lexington and uh, zoom calls and phone calls and all that stuff. So it was, it was a lot of back and forth, but um productive conversations. And I, I do think that John Welch is definitely one of them. I would be pretty shocked if he is not uh, added in some capacity, in some capacity. I think he's going to be more of the uh, John Robick type of role. Um, I think 
Chuck Martin would kind of be more of the bruiser Flint type of role. Uh, so I, I think there's still going to be some movement. It, it's exciting to kind of get these new names out there. And it does, you know, Cal's doing his due, di- due diligence with all of this. So um, it, it, it's, it, we're moving, we're, we're getting some actual movement with some real names. And that's, that's definitely cool to uh, keep an eye on. One thing, not so great news. Uh, I've heard today that um, Andrew Ortelli, who is, the scouting name at Kentucky and the go-to guy is taking a job at Temple. Um, and that's like done, done. So Kentucky really doesn't have any go-to scouting report guys, X's and O guys right now. Uh, and Kyle's got to address that. I mean, you, you got to find a killer scouting report guy and your main video that, coordinator is now out. That is that, more that's pretty crucial. That, that honestly, honestly to me is the most important staff piece of the off season is, is getting that and getting someone who has been very good at that and really efficient with the way that they do things. And that's, that's the one. And that's what I've been talking about for weeks now when it comes to whatever you add to the staff, that that's what I'm looking for is someone that can scout game plan, help you make Cal's job easier and give you this and then you somebody that Cal can trust to say, okay, you break down this, you take it, you bring it to me. And then this is what we've got in place when it comes to scouting the opponent, especially some of those quick turnaround games in the sec and things like that, where you got a big game on Tuesday and you got a big one on Saturday that that's where those guys are very valuable. And then you've got to make sure you hit a home run with that piece. Cause I'm telling you that that's the stuff in basketball nowadays, Jack, that is so vital because head coaches don't have time to do everything. They don't have time to go out here and practice. They don't have time to go out here and recruit. They don't have the time to do all the the public appearances, the media appearances, and all this stuff. You need a valuable guy in that role, maybe more than one guy, just multiple eyes that can can kind of – and hands that can kind of do some things. And uh, that scouting is vital and so important, and we we know at times that that makes a difference in a – even basketball game pay attention to your scout i mean that that's just that's just facts like that that is just that that is this loss goes deeper than i think people are willing to realize maybe even inside the kentucky basketball program and i hope they don't realize how significant it is before it is too late andrew ortelli is phenomenal at his job really 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 good at his job I mean, great basketball mind too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally outside of just seeing him at games saying, what's up, man. You know, but been there a long time. That's a dude that is super, super valuable. When we were in the Bahamas and Cal led us into the suite to, you know, break down film, it was Andrew Ortelli sitting there on his laptop chopping and cutting and moving and, and distributing and saying, okay, here, here's why this worked. Here's this. I mean, he is brilliant. brilliant. He's he's he has a super super bright future in this. And the fact that Kentucky is losing him when scouting has been not good. I mean, just being totally frank, it, it has not been good enough. Recruiting has been great, and and there, there's stuff to be impressed with. But that has not been up to par. And and that's something that now that you're losing the guy that was in charge of that. Cal has to look at that loss in the eye and they all need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, Hmm, 
the guy that did carried a lot of the the legwork. He did a lot of the pregame stuff, a lot of the scouting reports that was on Ortelli's shoulders. That guy is gone. There's there needs to be a come to Jesus moment in that staff room. No matter what changes are made, that like they need to look at themselves in the mirror and go, "We got to grind. Like we we the we can't." we can't take our foot off the gas any longer no. because we had the ultimate crutch and, and a guy like Ortelli to do a lot of that work for yeah. us. Like, you, were that can't happen. you were mentioning Ortelli in the Bahamas. I, I got a story with him as well. Uh, Arkansas, the Emmanuel quickly maxi year on the road when Cal got tossed. I ended up watching the last four or five minutes from the media workroom with him. And you wouldn't believe how on edge he is watching when these guys don't do what the scout says or if somebody makes something and he is like, we've, we talked about that. Come on, Keon. Like we like things like that. I'll never forget that game. Like, and just how attention to detail those guys are at their job. And I look, he, he was, he was phenomenal. He's been, he's been in this program a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Like that's not just a, a name that's been around for the last couple of years. That's a name that's been around the program for a long time. So, uh, It'd be a huge loss, and uh, Kentucky definitely needs to. John Calipari should be on the the phone looking for the most analytical guy he can find when it comes to to things like that. Like that's the that's the approach I want to see. That's my favorite part of the game, honestly, is breaking it down in the numbers and the scouting and everything. Like that's that's my favorite part about basketball in itself, because that's where it's all that's where it all originates. Each game is different. Each scout is different. Each opponent's different, and. Uh, they need to. They definitely need to fo- focus in on that role and figure out what they're going to do there. I think that's the most important staff addition of the offseason. Whole, wholeheartedly agree. And I, I, I think John Welch will be a good addition, assuming that gets finalized. I, I think he's going to. I mean, Riley Welch did a, it's a basketball job. family. Yeah, that Riley is kind of known as the, you know, another X is an O guy on the staff and. Uh, brilliant mind. He's, I don't know. There was some talk about him joining somebody else's staff this offseason. I don't know where things stand in that. I know he's looking for a, a job and he very well may be on the cusp of, of earning one, but he's deserving of one. And will, if it's not this offseason, he'll definitely have one next. But Kentucky can't lean on him forever. And getting his dad, you know, clearly basketball mind, basketball family. Um, I, I appreciate him in aerobic role. I think Kentucky is missing aerobic um, a lot more than I think anybody is really willing to uh, admit. We, uh, I, I appreciate the uh, comment earlier. The Cowboy said, um, screw that, talk more hoops. <laughs> we said we were going to switch over to that. But unfortunately, we got to get out of here. The, uh, the we, we have a finite amount of time. But we, I, I'm so much more comfortable now uh, just randomly hitting live go 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 live on, on any given Tuesday or Wednesday more so than before because it's such a freaking headache to uh, stressing out about whether or not the signal was going to go out. So we're good. Anytime that we just want to talk and chit-chat, it's going to be a great time. We're looking forward to that, uh, Sean, as we're talking about where uh, Hunter Dickinson is looking and looking for his next perfect franchise. Let's talk about Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. You might have seen Andy's name on KSR before. He sponsors some of our recruiting coverage. Andy's super nice, great to chat with, and we're really excited to continue our partnership. Andy is an experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 
10 plus years ago. If you're wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you as always. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net or email him at Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Sean, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter, on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time very soon uh, for another Jam Back Source Say podcast. We will see you then.